This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on paying less for the coverage you need with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get a quote today at FBHP.com. I'm Mike Keith. The Titans fell in Cleveland 27-3, dropping their record to 1-2 and two on the season. I had a chance to sit down with Mike Vrabel on Monday to discuss what happened against the Browns and what comes next as the Titans host the Cincinnati Bengals. Here's my conversation with Mike Vrabel on the OTP. Mike, what were the things that you tried to get accomplished today at Ascension St. Thomas Sports Park with this football team? Well, just corrections and may continue to point out the things that that were good, that we need more of. Um, you know, correct the, the, the things that we did that, that affected our uh, performance and then try to eliminate the things that get us beat. It's, it's about staying consistent and, you know, continuing to do some of the things that, that help us, but pointing out that there are certain ways that, that we can't play. You know, I mean, we, we can't get behind uh, in, this, in the sticks. And if we're not efficient, you know, we have a trouble, uh, tough time converting, you know, third and longs like, like a lot of people, but, but certainly us right now. What are the things that you saw from the Cleveland game that you considered positives that you'd like to build on? Well, when we went offensively, when we did get uh, into a drive or we, you know, there were a few runs that when we were able to to recognize the front, uh, get them blocked. You know, we were able to get you know some some eight and nine yard gains. Um, you know, we hit an explosive down the field, had a DPI down the field, Hop made a play down the field, uh, but then the drive stalled. Um, so that was um, you know that's just troubling. You know that we can't continue to to keep the consistency going uh, defensively. You know, we, we had times where we had them behind the chains on second down, which is positive. We had some negative yardage plays on first down. Did not do a good enough job on the uh, get back on track, second and long, to create third and long. So just didn't create enough third and longs. I thought we punted uh, the ball extremely well. I thought special teams gave us, a, you know, a winning performance. But, um, you know, just to had the one turnover on defense and, and didn't turn it over on offense. But that just... You know, we need to get some more turnovers. And, you know, we had our chances defensively, just, just didn't tackle the quarterback. In terms of protection issues, one thing, a lot of different things. What did you identify from the tape study today? Well, getting into to, to third and long creates uh, certain issues, you know, with, 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 with players like Miles Garrett. Uh, had another uh, protection issue on, um, you know, on a play pass where they pressured and, you know, got down inside, um, you know, Chris. Um, and so it's just, it's a it's a play here, it's a play there. I mean, there was times where we blocked him and had pockets and, you know, threw the ball downfield there at the end of half, and, and then that, that kind of fell apart. So there were things that we did well, um, you know, when, when we, we chipped them and things like that, that we took care of them. Uh, then sometimes we blocked them one-on-one, and then sometimes we weren't able to. You made clear after the game that you weren't pleased with the team's performance or the one and two start, but at the same time, it's one game and you have to find a way to learn from it and put it behind you. It's one of the big challenges for any football team in the NFL to find the balance between taking responsibility and improving and yet putting the performance behind you and moving on to the next game. 
Well, you have to be accountable uh, to, to our actions, to our preparation, to our performance. You have to be uh, accountable to, to each other about your their effort. Um, and, but then also keep in mind that you know, whatever we did last uh, uh, Sunday, whatever we did a couple of days ago, it isn't going to matter if you have the right mindset and an approach to, to move forward uh, to, um, to, to work and to find a way to win a game here coming back home. Nicholas Petit Frere still suspended for three more games, but allowed back inside Ascension St. Thomas Sports Park this week. What is he allowed to start doing over the last three weeks of his suspension? Well, he can meet, you know, he can be involved in all the meetings. He can, he can weight train and, and, and condition, strength train, he can work out individually. Uh, just nothing uh, with the team, no practice with the team or, or attend football games. Seems as if that's a, a good rule change for any player undergoing suspension. Well, we feel like the best place for him is here. And, and again, Nick, Nick's uh, serving the discipline. Um, you know, he's taking accountability. And so we're excited to have him back in here and, you know, wish that he could, uh, you know, begin to practice uh, sooner rather than later. But that, that rule hasn't changed. I want to ask you about a couple of your defensive backs. Second-year man, Roger McCrary, a sack in the ball game and 10 tackles. Whether he's starting or coming off the bench, it seems as though uh, the second-year player from Auburn continues to make improvement and show up. Did some nice things inside, playing nickel, played physical, triggered, tackled, had a really nice blitz, um, you know, and then just had the one down the field there on, on, the, on the inside seam. Uh, that that get out that got out to the sidelines just have to uh, you know try to play. I mean, he was in tight coverage. He was there. You know, just have to be able to make a play on the football. Good to have Amani Hooker back leading the team with eleven tackles. Certainly, um, you know, he factors when he's out there. I know we would have liked to made the one on, you know, Deshaun, but but you you feel his presence. You feel him uh, when he, when he plays. All right, Cincinnati is the team you turn to again this week, a Monday night game for them as they play the Rams tonight. Not knowing the situation with Joe Burrow, how much does that change how you begin your preparation for this week? Well, they've got great skilled players. You know, they've got great skilled players. Their defense has always played us extremely well. Um, So, you know, I don't think we'll anticipate to see Joe until – you know, we don't, but, we, you know, we'll have to prepare for them and the football team and their concepts and what they like to do and their overall base concepts. That's my Monday talk with Mike Vrabel. Hey, Titans fans, want to remind you, it's always game on with Duncan, so grab a coffee and kick off the action, whether that's drinking a cup of coffee on your way to the game or grabbing one to go before watching the game at home. Duncan is always there to help you get your game on. Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time, which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual. It's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. The OTP continues as we bring in my partners from Titans Radio, Rhett Bryan and Ramon Foster. Ramon, I want to start, and I want to ask, you've been in buildings as a professional football player, like what the Titans were going through today, after a disappointing loss where you walk away saying, what in the world was that? You've been part of offensive lines, who I'm sure have had exceptionally bad days at the office that happens how do you handle that first and foremost 
The easiest thing you can do is go back to work. That's one thing professionals always say to themselves. At the end of the day, let me get back to the basics. Let me figure out what I'm doing wrong. That's what tape is for. That's what practice is for. And, and that's why you play the game, too. If it was, you know, a, a game called winning, that's all it would be. But sports is all about adversity. Sports is all about you figuring out a way to show your to, to minimize your weaknesses and always come out on top. What happened to the Titans against the Browns is simply they were better than you on that day. You got to figure out ways to never let that happen again. Whether that be play calling, whether that be man to a man, whether that just be staying out of bad situations and getting some positivity. What happened against the Cleveland Browns this week was it was very little positivity. And that's one thing you can take going into next week is we can't be that bad again. You have to set a precedent as a squad, as a player mostly, because I don't think the entire unit was getting beat. It was almost player to player when you have those types of days. You have to self-check yourself a little bit. You have to become pros. And I always kind of say this a little bit for guys in that situation. You got to grow up a little bit. And that's older guys in those situation, And that's also younger dudes, too, is realizing that, look, everybody's going to come after you. They have the golden goose more times than not as far as Derrick Henry being in the backfield. But when you sign here as a, as, a, as a Tennessee Titan or you come here as a free agent on the offensive line, even the tight ends, too, you know what you're getting yourself into. So you assume that and you figure out how do we as a unit come together and understand that, look, is we're going to have a lot of one-yard runs, but we got to find a way to get some fives. We got to get some tens. We got to break through that rock of a defensive lineman on whoever you're playing week to week. And, and commit to that. And that's where I've been in those situations because it's confusing too. You do good one week, you do bad another. And that's why I tell you, be consistent in understanding how to be a pro is where you are in those situations and simply go back to the drawing board and, and have an honest conversation with not just yourself, but the guys in that in that den with you too. That's one thing I always say with good offensive linemen and, and those types of lines and squads is this. The ones that are good are brutally honest. Hey, you sucked on that play. And it's okay to say that because we're all in this thing together. And that's why I say going back to the practice field and breaking it down and slowing down the pace of what you're doing is probably what has to happen in games like this. I know that's where I've been in my career, and there's been some bad moments. But you can't stack bad moments. You can't have one good, one bad, one good, one bad. And I think that's where they're trying to figure out right now. How much of this week is about pride? A good bit of it. Uh, a ton of it, honestly, just based on the fact that I don't think it was many good moments out of this game. And the one thing you can always tell yourself as a pro, I'm, I'm the top 1% of all football players in the world. And if you have any pride about yourself and how you go to work, you'll find that. Um, is it easy to do? No, because when you lose the way you did this past weekend, it makes you question what is right and what is wrong. And that's where the pride comes into play into believing I'm this good at this. I've proven to myself over the years from middle school football, high school, college, and even in the NFL, I know what to do. It's a matter of putting your foot in the ground, no pun intended, and moving forward. And this group is more than capable of it because they have battled the war of attrition in a lot of different ways this year. They've been brought together from different teams, some of them, um, young guys in certain situations, new starters, um, and a guy in Aaron Brewer that has a whole lot of pride in this organization. I think it's his vocalization of how he wants to be as a group has to kind of take a front seat a little bit more. Um, being okay with being that verbal leader, 
that guy that finished in place showing guys sometimes. That's one thing I had to see from one of my teammates in years past. They simply showed me. And I think it's okay for Brewer to be one of those guys to show and demand that out of his guys moving forward. So, yes, Mike, pride does play a lot. And for a hometown guy like Aaron Brewer, and I'm not blaming him whatsoever on the play. The player across the board, I think, was just right at the line or below the line, right? Um, but it's okay for you to demand that from your teammates at times. Good stuff. Take a quick pause in my conversation with Rhett Bryan and Ramon Foster to remind you that SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. That's right, the deal is finalized, and SeatGeek is the newest member of the Titans family. If you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more during the 2023 season, whether you're buying or selling tickets to the Titans game or to any live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. Let's continue the conversation with Rhett Bryan and Ramon Foster. Uh, Rhett Bryan, I think Jim Schwartz is an outstanding defensive coordinator. I've known him since 1999. He's a really smart guy, too. His internal knowledge of the Titans really started in one place that jumped out to me in that ball game is that he understands better than anybody that if you take away Derrick Henry, then you totally take him away from the offense because he does not play in passing downs. He comes off the field. And the stat that shows up, he ended up carrying 11 times in the ball game, Derrick Henry did, but he played only 18 snaps. So by being able to get to him and get him out of there, you take away the threat, and then the Titans are a very, very different team from what they want to be. And probably even more so than even in seasons past, knowing that you have a new offensive coordinator and you're trying to do something a little different, knowing that Derrick Henry is still the genesis of that. But you're, it, it even it complicates things because you're very early in this tenure of this offense. Oh, that's right, and you're you're still very much married to Derrick Henry being your bell cow if you're doing what you want to do as the Titans is you want to feed the beast. That's probably not going to be the first 10 plays of the game. Where you really want to feed the beast is in the second half of ball games. And while he did carry in the second half seven times, some of that was obviously just trying to get the offense back on track when they had nothing working the right way. And he did gain some positive yardage, but that part of it and and seeing how much a part of this offense he still is, even though as Red accurately says it's a new offense, mm-hmm. they've got to find a way to involve him. You do, and and that's the one thing I said earlier when it comes down to this offensive line. You understand the unicorn that's behind you. One of those guys that had 2,000 yards in a season. That's Derrick Henry. Um, and I've been at rooms and have seen other teams have that conversation where you take the one super, superstar away. And Derrick is that superstar. Mm-hmm. If you minimize him, Mike, to your point, you have a better game plan defensively to defend the rest of the Tennessee Titans offense. And that's the issue right there is Jim Schwartz committed to stopping Derrick and was adamant about it. And got him out of the game. And got him out of the game. And getting Derrick out of the game means more times than not, you're going to drop back. And you trust, he trusts his defensive line to get to the quarterback. And that's where the issue lies. And like you said, how do you get Derrick going in certain situations? Uh, with Tim Kelly being new, it's, it's, it's going to be, like you said, him having to 
satisfy the guys that have been there because they've been proven to be a part of this team. And you got to go through Derek. You got to be able to go through Ryan Tannehill. And but it also makes you predictable in a sense, maybe because of at end of the day, break glass in case of emergency is Derek Henry. Sure. Well, I mean, it, I think almost ret- predictable in a good way. Yeah. Because you've got a potential Hall of Fame back there. But the the ebb and flow of it is they had nine men up close to try to stop him. Is what you're saying, more or less, that even if they've got nine guys up there, who cares? we got to block them all anyway and get him out of there? Yep. That's exactly what it is. And, and that's uh, easier said than it's done, easier though, right? said, It is way easier said than done because here's the thing about it. That many guys around the line of scrimmage allows it, – it really does add a bunch of anxiety to the guys doing their job from left to right, from Dillard all the way over to Chris Hubbard. It creates a lot of chaos. And then when you have nine guys at the line of scrimmage, Mike, you can't put five on nine because guess why? You got to bring in tight ends. And that was another issue that was a problem too is – those tight ends aren't used to blocking Miles Garrett, Zedaria Smith. Uh, the angles of what their job entails them to do isn't what an offensive lineman is. Uh, it's not what a tight end is first nature to do. Um, we saw a lot of the time those defensive ends were in the backfield. And you can correlate it being to the offensive line, but it was also leakage from the tight end blocking. Wide receivers not getting a little bit tighter on their need to uh, cut off the outside edge. And you have defenders in the backfield after that. So getting Derek to the line of scrimmage is not just an offensive line problem. And I know they're going to get a lot of heat and probably justifiably so. But that is a team blocking scheme. When a defensive coordinator, and many will still do this moving forward, commit to stopping 22. He is the gift and the curse. You love him when he's pushing people off and (laughs) catapulting people through the air. But if you have a defense as good as what Cleveland had or even similar to it, and you can afford to commit to stopping the run the way teams do, that's when it becomes an issue. And that's where you have to ask guys like Chig, like Josh Wiley, like Traylon Burks, like DeAndre Hopkins, look, we got to make plays down the field to soften this box up. Because if we don't do that, we got a long day ahead of us. They got to win. They have to win. And something you said right there stood out about yesterday in particular, because you're right. I mean, many have tried to stop Derrick Henry and not successfully been able to do that. But – Mike brought it up first with Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, who spent the last couple of years here and knows, you know, knowledge uh, way beyond and before that. But you talk, you talk, we're talking about a, a Browns defense that was good at all three levels. Because, I mean, we hadn't even mentioned Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Sione Takitaki, that secondary back there that didn't even have Greg Newsom in it. They're solid front to back, back to front. And they could tackle. Yeah, everybody can. Delpit can tackle. Ward can tackle. I mean, even their quote unquote little guys will come up and and smack you. I want to say one more thing about Derrick Henry though, because I got the question on the radio this morning, which I know some people are wondering. They're saying, "Has Derrick Henry lost a step?" And my answer to that, and what I'm what I'm stating here as well, is it's it's hard to have a step when you're getting hit just as you take the handoff. There's there's no way to tell. From from what has happened so far, Derrick Henry, I believe, still has the home run hitter in him if they can get to that point. They do. He does have it in him. But it's it's the idea of what you just said, though, too, Mike. I think from this past weekend, the average amount of time Derrick's got touched in the backfield was 2.3 yards. And, and the imperial sense of measurements, too, that's six feet. 
That's six right. feet in the backfield. Think about it. I think most people correlate a yard to just being a foot. Right. A yard is three feet. That's a good point. I- imagine being That's, six feet in the backfield. That's a great point. Think about that. It's hard for anybody to get started. Does Derek need reps? 100%. There are numerous, numerous backs in the league that need reps to get started. But when every single reps of yours is starting negative, even after having positive yards – that's a hard day at the office for almost any back. Mm-hmm. Is that Derek's problem? No, it's not his problem. It's everybody's problem. Sure. Because you want to rely on 22. At any point in time, he can break one for you. But all in all, you say to yourself, how long can you commit to it? And that's where the problem or, or the questions will come into Derek's play. How much can you commit to it when you have Cleveland come out and spend about seven, eight minutes on the first drive? That wears your defense down. It makes you want to play catch-up ball a little bit. So in those situations, you got to pull Derek out and go to a hurry-up offense. And it limits the number of possessions in a game, which is something that they're doing effectively. And I tell you who this reminds me of, and Rhett, you can speak to it too because our counterpart, Ramon Foster, is quite a bit younger than we are. They looked like the Cleveland Browns' defense looked like the Baltimore Ravens' defense in the early 2000s. They absolutely do. I haven't seen a unit as physical as that. And I, I think that's something that while you're talking about what happened yesterday, you must give credit. I mean, they haven't even given up 500 yards of total offense in three games to NFL teams. And it wasn't raining there yesterday. It wasn't snowing. The wind wasn't blowing 80 miles an hour. I mean, it was a straight up, here we go, man on man. And, and I mean, they are really, really talented. To frame your point, we saw that score from the Miami-Denver game. Miami had 726 yards of offense against the Denver uh, Broncos defense. So you're saying they've given up about 200 less yards in three whole games. In three whole games. Wow. In three whole games. I mean, they they are that good. So let me take it from another standpoint, Ramon, and get you to to sort of quantify it for us. In, In school... If you're taking a really hard class, they would curve the grade. You know, that yeah, was the, yeah. I it, love the curve. I did too. <laughs> in, in, in economics, in my introductory economics course, I had a low average, but got a C because the majority of the class had a low average. In in this case, if you're the Titans coaching staff and you, and you're the personnel staff evaluating your players, how much of this do you? evaluate on the curve to a certain extent from the standpoint that you don't want to throw guys away or make unnecessary changes, but first have to understand, okay, we might not see another defense like this the rest of the year. We can get better from this. Let's not jump to conclusions about our personnel or our scheme. That will. I mean, our our famous coach of Titans Radio says, what, let's keep our powder dry? Coach Max says that all the time, Right. right? Um. My, my only push is this when we had the conversation earlier about pride. Guys got to understand what they're up against, too. Right. And it's a copycat league when it boils down to it. The same thing that the Browns did, other teams will at least attempt to do. Well, it. Cincinnati certainly will. Yeah. So you got to fight fire with fire a little bit. You don't throw the baby out with the water for sure because it's, it's that's three games in. We're three games in. 
But there is an evaluation process of who's willing to fight. And I think that's where you got to go. And that's where you reset practice to say, that sucks. Because that team is that good defensively. Mm -hmm. From the the first layer of that defense all the way to the back end. They are that good. And they got guys that simply want to play their roles and they do it well. So moving forward, the challenge has to be if you have a, and I hate that you even got to have this conversation, but there's a sense of pride in your work. You answer the call the next time. And sometimes the technique goes out of the window a little bit and you just simply got to go fight and beat somebody up. I think that's what we're looking for a little bit. What is the response from week three to week four to where if you lost the line of scrimmage, we got to go gain it this week. Ramon, I want to ask you something based off of that, this pride that we're talking about. You were in those locker rooms for 11 years. Does it start amongst each other individually, the the captains, the team leaders? Where does that originate? Because everybody has that same feeling of, you know what, I got pushed around by another grown man and I'm mad about it. Yeah, and I'll say this too. I think it's too early to have, a, uh, you know, that leadership meeting that teams. I absolutely hate those. I hated them as a player because everybody know what you're getting yourself into. Hey, let's have a meeting of the minds about what we are. It starts room to room. I think we're watching individual units just lose. And if you're going to self-check yourself, that's where it starts. It's watching film together, maybe being around each other a little bit more, um, having an understanding that it's okay to get beat, but not consistently getting beat. And I think that's where this team is in a lot of different situations. We're, we're speaking about the big guys on both sides of the ball, right? But let's talk about, like, the catchable balls that's coming to the receiving sure. core. You know, that, that doesn't involve the offensive line, right? That doesn't involve the quarterback if he's going to give it to them in a spot where they can only catch it. That's where it's individual. Got to win. Where you, you got to win. Got to win. And it's okay to kind of say that. I don't want the meeting of the minds just yet. Heck, this bye week is after week six. So you can talk then. All the time to talk. Well, and the bottom line is, and, and I'm not meaning to be Captain Sunshine. I'm yeah. just stating the obvious. Win this game, you're two and two. Yes. I, I mean, you're two and two on the way to Indianapolis with that game in your rearview mirror in Cleveland, if you're one and three, however, and you go to Indianapolis at that point, then the outside noise picks up even more. Mm-hmm. The outside noise this week, fair. I mean, the, absolutely. I mean, you're going to hear it, and and it's fair that there would be noise. Some of what will be said may not be fair, but you have to understand this is what happened. This is where you are. You've got to take it. But, Rhett, if you go get it and you're 2-2, two and two, then you're showing what is one of the most important things that an NFL team can show in early October, and that is you're getting better and also you're overcoming adversity. Well, and Mike Vrabel said it to us in postgame yesterday. It's like when you get your butt beat, you're going to find out what you got and how you respond and how you put it together. And this is a prime example of if you go and take care of business at home at Nissan Stadium Sunday against the Bengals, that you've proven it is a week-to-week proposition. Sure. And, and more, and I just think about what Coach Max said to both of us yesterday afternoon, is like, this is not about the Browns, this is not about the Bengals this week, this is about the Titans. i never forget 2002, we were 1-4, a good football team was 1-4, Played awful, went to Oakland, got embarrassed, just embarrassed by the Raiders. It was, it was, they didn't give up 70, they gave up 52, but I mean, it was just, it was bad. And they came back that week and, and they were playing Jacksonville. And the only thought that whole week was, we don't know how we're going to play. We're not going to sit around and talk about technique. 
We're not going to talk about scheme. We're going to win the street fight. And that was the game that Samari Roll laid out Mark Brunel. Against the yard marker. Against the yard marker. at the And Samari Roll was not known as a big hitter, to say the least. <laughs> he generally tackled around the shoelaces. Love you, Samari, but you weren't, you weren't known for physicality. You were a great corner, but... And, in that game, and, and Jacksonville went crazy because they're like, oh, that was the dirty. It's like a guy who's not known for really tackling people is not really the guy who you would think that about. And yet, Samari's hit on Mark Brunel and what they did to hold it. Titans didn't play very well, but they won one of these ugly games and from there only lost one more time in the regular season because they just decided at that point that – that they were just going to take it to people in that way. And I think that's kind of what you're saying about this. This is one of those moments where after a game like that, that's where it has to start. It does. And and that's all you're looking for. I've started off a season 0-4. Heck, lost four games straight in the preseason. So technically 0-8. Wow. Okay? This Losing is a part of it. 72 Dolphins, last team to do it, right, y'all? That's it. Only and, team. And when you look at how you respond, so respond is that you got to go punch somebody in the mouth a little bit. The wins and losses that occur sometimes come down to will sometimes when it's just, look, I don't, screw the game plan. Today you're going to be bruised up after this one. And it's okay to have games like that to reset yourself. And, and the other thing is that, Mike, you made a great point. You win this week, you're 2-2. Two two. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're 0-3, like a team that I thought was going to be good, the Minnesota Vikings. I hate to even bring them up on this network, but they're 0-3 to I start know. the game. You had a team in Denver that dropped, that had 70 dropped on them. And they couldn't stop a nosebleed even if they tried and had a surgical doctor there, okay? But that's just the game. It's the game sometimes. And simplifying it, as we said earlier, it starts in the meeting rooms individually. It starts in what are we good at, and let's maximize that while we hide our deficiencies. It's okay to know you got deficiencies. It's okay to know going into the game, Derek's going to get stacked up. Nine in a box. I don't think I've ever seen it that many times in my life. It was incredible because, I mean, they weren't just in the box. They were like nine along the line. I mean, they were up so tight. They had the linebackers. I mean, they were their legs were quivering right before the start of the play because they were coming. It's like somebody hit a, a, a hornet's nest, right? Right, right. They were rattling the hornet's nest. It, they could have hard counted them and got off But you're size. saying to the Titans, that can't matter. It can't. No, because people are either glad you got your problems or don't want to hear about them. That's how it breaks down sometimes. And that's why I said to the big boys up front, you know what you're getting into. Derek's going to attract so much attention. Take it as a badge of, 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 of pride. You know, it's a badge of honor sometimes. So what? We, we got four on the pop with nine in the box. And that may be a hard day at the office. They got so much rehab these days, man, that you can find a way to get healthy going into the next week until you prove to other teams it don't matter. We're going to crack this nut no matter what. And Skaronsky has a good chance to be back too, which would help the offensive line for sure. I think we have seen in the two games he's been absent uh, is how valuable he already is and confirms for you why he was the 11th overall pick. His strength at the point of attack is something they certainly could have used yesterday. Could have, to stop that charge a little bit, mm-hmm. just to have a flow, because that was the biggest thing that went on with the game. There was no actual flow. Uh, I heard you uh, on the call in my ear <laughs> say, you know, first quarter, I think this team was negative yards. They were. 
uh, that's where Skaransky comes into play. Uh, we, we spoke about this a little bit. Certain guys having, you know, good seasons so far. NWI has been solid. Mm-hmm. I don't think he got much of a sniff in Cleveland. But when you bring in a guy like D-Hop, it puts people in positions. Uh, Peter Skaransky's put puts everybody in positions. Mm-hmm. You know what your strengths and weaknesses are and who's going to be where. Uh, so hopefully getting him back this week will play a huge part in this group's re- response. For the Titans fans, a big week too. The Titans certainly hope the crowd will turn out at Nissan Stadium, Rhett, and hopefully be there for them to to maybe make the difference and, and push them home. Very good for this team that it is a home game. It's supreme that it is a home game because if they can come out of that tunnel and give them something to cheer about early on, those folks will ride with them. I'm convinced of that, but you got to give them something early. That's going to do it. For Rep Bryan and Ramon Foster, I'm Mike Keith, thanking you for listening to the OTP.